This is the Chad Little Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. My guest is the host and creator of the newsworthy podcast, Erica Mandy. Erica, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So let's talk about your podcast. Uh, Before you started podcasting, you were a broadcast journalist. What made you interested in becoming a full-time podcaster? Yes. So I was a TV news reporter, a broadcast journalist for over 10 years. I worked my way up from a small town in Missouri to the second largest news market in the country, Los Angeles. I was working for CBS there in L.A., and it had been 10 years of, um, of doing the TV news thing. And I was talking to a lot of people and I was hearing from a lot of, especially young professionals that they felt like news was overwhelming, time consuming, depressing, biased. And they were tuning out news altogether because of those reasons. They just felt like they couldn't do it anymore. And I became really passionate about creating something that helped people stay informed in a shorter amount of time, in an unbiased way, and in a way that felt a little bit more fun, like it wasn't just all the doom and gloom. And so I started experimenting and researching and eventually became so excited about the potential for what is now the newsworthy um, that I quit my job at CBS and went all in and said, let me try this for a year. And if people resonate with it, if they seem to like it, then we'll keep going. And if not, then, you know, I'll find something else. And thankfully, we're over two years later now, and the audience continues to grow. And we get great feedback from people who say, I have less anxiety about news now. Um, I feel more informed. I'm having better conversations about what's going on in the world. And that means so much to hear that it's actually having an impact. Yeah, what you do, unfortunately, on your podcast, it seems very rare in journalism now where you can listen to your podcast to an episode and it's just the facts. It's not bias. It's not spin. It's just uh, today the president held a press conference on, on impeachment. This is what he said. Now, if it was cable news, you know, one side would say it was a great speech. The other side would sit there for an hour and criticize it. And, you know, they will have talking heads and political pundits. And sometimes I enjoy listening to political commentary, but sometimes it can become very overwhelming. And I just want the facts. I don't want the spin. I don't want the bias. Just tell me what happened today. I'm busy. I don't have time for all of the spin. Just tell me what, what happened today. And that's what you do on your podcast. Yes, thank you. I mean, I think there's a place for everything, right? There's there's definitely a place for commentary and people can seek it out when they want. But I think it's become so loud at times and so extreme at times um, from political pundits, for example, that it becomes exhausting. I mean, Pew Research found in 2018 that seven in 10 Americans consider having, they believe that they have what's what was called news fatigue. They were just tired of all the, the yelling. And and just overwhelming um, information in 24-7, you know, news atmosphere. And so I think that that's why it's like every day you can commit to at least 10 minutes of learning what's going on in the world. And then if you're interested in one particular story later in the day, absolutely go see what other people are saying about it, read more about it. You know, I always encourage that. But I think to, to really stay on top of everything on a daily basis, it's much easier to say, okay, let me just have 10 minutes a day. I can handle that. And then I can choose what I want to look at more later in the day. So 
About how much time per day do you spend prepping your podcast? It's definitely more than 10 minutes. <laughs> um, we, we actually put a lot of time and energy into it. So I used to do it on my own, but now, thankfully, I have two awesome news writers who are also previous TV news reporters um, who really the first one starts it at what is one in the afternoon Pacific time and really starts looking at what's already been happening for the day. And she works for a few hours. Then we have somebody else come in and take a look at what's already been written and adds to it as things develop throughout the day. And then I come in later in the evening and um, really act as the editor to review what they've done, to consider what else has been happening, what else we might need to add into the show. And at that point, you know, basically when most people are sleeping, I'm then recording and sending it off to our editor who um, finishes it up and we publish it out at four in the morning Eastern time so that by the time people are waking up, they can learn what's happened in the last 24 hours. So what time at night do you record? Is it late 10, 11 o'clock? Yeah, so I'm on the West Coast, so it's about 11 p.m. Pacific time. So um, it helps that I'm on the West Coast that I can kind of get ahead of it in the evening um, and have it ready to go by the time that people are waking up on the East Coast. So in the early years, uh, you, you know, starting your podcast, what did you do to grow your show to, to, to get the word out about your podcast? Did you, did you use social media? Uh, did you buy some advertisements? Did it grow organically? What, what was your growth strategy? Sure. So, I mean, I think the, the first thing that I had to think about was just being really public about it, not being afraid that if this doesn't work, I was going to be embarrassed, right? I mean, I think sometimes people launch a project and just um, put it out here and there, but they may not go all in and say, everybody check this out because they want to get a feel for, for how it goes first. Um, I was all in. I emailed everybody I knew, you know, start with the people I knew. And then I started sending pitches to people that have influence in the podcast space. So, you know, finding the right people at even Apple Podcasts and saying, I've started this new show. Here's my background. Here's why I think it's different from what you're offering on the platform already. And that actually worked pretty quickly um, that I was featured on New and Noteworthy and then also on the homepage of Apple Podcasts, um, the app. And that was really helpful right off the bat because the great thing about being featured on a podcast app is that they, people are already searching for a new podcast to listen to when they go to that browse section, right? So they're already in that mindset. They already know how to listen to a podcast. And so it's great. It's a great way to be in front of them and say, you know, check out this one and give it a try. And, and the nice thing is, as I saw once people were trying it, for the most part, they were sticking with the show, which was a signal to me that they liked what they heard and that I should keep going, right? Um, I also did a lot of collaborations. So I went to industry conferences and I found other podcasters who were maybe a similar size as me as a way to start. And we did either cross promotions or I even, um, there was another financial podcast and I said, let me put together like a two minute financial news in my style for your show. And you put together a kind of financial tips, um, one or two minute segment that I can run on my show. And we did this kind of value added cross promotion as a way just to get in front of more people who are already listening to podcasts. Um, then I also thought about how can I get, you know, public relations. I come from TV news. I, I'm already a journalist, so I have 
some of these ideas about what journalists are looking for. So, um, you know, making connections with reporters and getting features here and there, that, that's great for visibility and credibility and reaching new audiences. So I think that was kind of my strategy right off the bat. I did some social media, but even today, I'm probably not doing as much social media as I, as I could. I'm, I'm actually getting ready to launch more of a social media strategy now. But I think for my mindset, it was about getting in front of people who were already listening to podcasts so that I didn't have to explain how to listen to a podcast and then convince them to listen to my show. I just went to the people who were already looking for new podcasts. And I think that at least starting out was a great way. That the, the, when you started at the beginning, the, the first uh, year or two, when was that moment when it clicked with you that it maybe a download numbers or, or, or positive press, you know, a story in, in the mainstream press or somewhere, somewhere. When was that moment that you said to yourself, this can work, this is working six months, a year in, when do you feel it's a good question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When do you feel that, Hey, this could be a profitable business long term. It's tough because I think, you know, right when I first started, I went through a little, what I call a honeymoon phase where I got some features in, you know, Apple and other places and it was growing and I felt really, really excited about it. And I was like, yeah. And then that kind of dips off the excitement of the launch dips a little bit and, you know, you have moments of plateau and you can really easily start to doubt if this is going to work. But I promised myself from the get-go that I was going to give it at least one year. And I knew going into it that I might not make money for the first year because I had to build an audience before I could have advertisements. And I knew that was the way that I was at least starting out making money. So I went into it with the right mindset of let me give this a year and not quit before that one year mark. And I had to decide that I was basically just going to keep going until that, that time. I, and the other thing for me was, am I growing and am I getting good feedback? Do I feel like there are people that I don't already know who, who are resonating with it? Um, so I think there were two things. One, reaching the one-year mark and seeing that I've continued to have significant growth over that time. You know, when I take action and people find out about the show, they're then sticking with it. So that was a big signal to me. And the number two, it really is about the feedback from the listeners. When I would get messages from people or good reviews, you know, in the apps, that it really did impact people, then that to me was was a sign that, okay, now I just need to make sure more people know that it exists because the people who are finding it are feeling impacted by it. So. Those two things, honestly, the growth and, and that I saw at the one-year mark, looking back, saying, okay, now it's worth it to give it another year, and kind of going down that path. Um, and then I had a moment where I was making enough money where it's like, okay, now this can be a living. You know, this, this has, I mean, honestly, um, creating what is now a six-figure business through sponsorship is was like the the ultimate for me that said, okay, like I can, I can continue to grow this. I can continue to build a business out of, out of this audience. But that, you know, 
didn't happen at the one year mark. So I had to be patient and I had to know that it takes time to build an audience. And I had to listen to my audience to say, they actually like this. And now I just need to do more work to market it. And how many advertisers per show, per episode, do you have a pre-roll, mid-roll, one or two, or, uh, you know, pre-roll, mid-roll, and then at the end? Sure. So because I have a short show, I am pretty limited. I don't want the audience to feel too overwhelmed with how many ads are in each show. So I have one mid-roll, one minute mid-roll in every episode. So that's five times a week. And then um, more recently, I I added what I call a sponsored segment. So instead of just adding an additional ad um, that might feel a little draining for the audience, I wanted to give them more value with an additional story that is sponsored by somebody. So we are just starting to roll this out. We've, We've done what we call Money Monday. So an added financial story at the end of the show that's brought to you by some sort of financial company. Um, We've launched Work Wednesdays. So on Wednesdays, there's a career or work-related news story after the regular news that is going to be sponsored. Um, And we're going to add to that as sponsors want them. We're still kind of experimenting with that. But ultimately, that basically means two sponsors per episode per weekday. And what's your target demographic for your podcast? Uh, you know, women 35 to 54, uh, 25 to 54-year-olds, do you have a, a, a target demographic that you're trying to target with your podcast? So I would say I, I do have a target, but my audience is very varied. Um, and, and I love that. I think that it really can be for a pretty broad audience, probably more than most shows because we are talking about national news. So it's, it's you know, mostly Americans. Um, and, and these are busy people. The, the biggest, I would say, factor is that you're busy and you feel a little overwhelmed by the news and you just want to know what's going on and then move on with your day. Um, so that's the biggest characteristic. But I would say if I have to bring it down um, another level, it it is kind of the young professional woman um, 28 to, you know, I, I would say young professional woman, probably in her thirties, like 28 to 36. Um, but again, I know we have a lot of listeners that are outside of that as well. Looking down the road as your podcast continues to grow, uh, do you see yourself expanding the brand to maybe having more content on your website or expanding it to having, say, instead of a uh, newsworthy, have a, a sports worthy or, you know, d- different, different genres of podcasts, possibly? Yes, yes. Um, that is something that we are thinking about currently. Um, I hope to launch a new show in, in the year 2020. I don't know yet exactly what that is going to be. Um, but I do plan to run a survey soon. We do want to launch something new. And you were talking earlier about feedback from the audience. Where are you getting the most feedback? Social media, emails, people contacting you via via your website, uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts app with reviews. Where where are you getting a lot of that good feedback about your program? Yes, I would say it's social media, so Instagram and Twitter, as well as the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Those are the two main places. I do get some emails. When I launched, I have a um, just a 
a membership program that I call the Newsworthy Insiders. And when that launched and people signed up for it, where they pay monthly, they get a coffee tumbler and, and just help support the show. I, I got emails from people signed up to say, you know, why they signed up and why they enjoyed the show. And that was really amazing to connect on a personal level. Um, but I think mostly it's social media and those reviews. And then occasionally getting to meet listeners in person, conference or something like that. And, and there's listeners there. They come up to me and we're able to have a face-to-face conversation, which is absolutely my favorite thing in the world. And finally, about social media, you got Facebook, <clears throat> Twitter, Instagram, which social network, uh, which social media has been the most successful? Are you, are you finding the most success at uh, most success at using? Uh, are you getting a lot of you know more listeners on Facebook or Twitter, for example? It's tough to say because, to be honest, I haven't had. I mean, that's probably one of the places that I know that I could be doing better. And I actually just hired someone to help me be uh, more consistent with the content. I mean, doing a daily show takes so much that social media has been something that I haven't done as fully as I want to. So I will say I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I think all three pretty evenly um, tell, you know, remind people that I'm there. I'm able to share some news and some things that are going on behind the scenes. And most importantly, I'm next kind of on the direct messages. That's my favorite part about it. Um, But I would say they've all three been fairly equal, but I'm about to ramp it up, especially with Instagram. So I'm excited to see what that does and experiment with it to see if it does make more of a difference in bringing new listeners and engaging my current listeners. Erica, I really appreciate you coming on the program today. And you can subscribe to the Newsworthy Podcast on Apple Podcast. Spotify, Google Podcast, and on all the major podcast platforms. Until next time, I'm Chad Whittle, and I'll catch you on the next edition of the Chad Whittle Podcast. Subscribe to the Chad Whittle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or listen at chadwhittle.com. The Chad Whittle Podcast with Chad Whittle. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.